I'd like to thank my sponsors, Voyager and Electronium, for making this episode possible. Stay tuned for more info on them later. What is up, everybody? I am Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast. I'm beyond excited to chat with today's guest, Alex Mashinsky from Celsius, who I'm proud to say is the newest sponsor of this very podcast. Alex has founded or has been at the helm of eight companies with each success more impressive than the last. He's become an expert at raising funds and coordinating successful exits with raises and exits both in the billions with a B. With his newest venture into crypto, Alex is already disrupting traditional banks and finance, which, as you know, is what we like to see around here. Alex, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, thank you so much for taking, taking the time. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for having us. So before we get into the questions... Just like to remind everybody that you are listening to the Wolf of All Streets podcast, which airs twice a week. And we talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin, finance, trading, art, music, sports, politics, anyone with a good story to tell. This show is powered by Blockworks Group, a media company with over 20 podcasts in their network. You can check them out at blockworksgroup.io. And if you like the podcast and follow me on Twitter, then check out my website where you can join my newsletter. That is at thewolfofallstreets.io. So now, Let's get into it. Alex, as I touched on a bit uh, in the intro, you have quite a background and, and a lot of experience um, starting and e- exiting companies. So can you tell us a bit about uh, your background, I guess the uh, revised version, because we could probably do an entire podcast on those eight companies. Um, so, you know, I'm an immigrant. I, I came to the States um, in the late 80s. Um, uh, actually, grew up, I was born in Ukraine, grew up in Israel and and came to the land of opportunities, you know, and, and, and uh, for most Americans who haven't traveled abroad or whatever, we, we think we have problems here. It's, it's still the land of opportunities, you know, and, uh, and uh, really I was lucky enough to be there at the kind of the birth of the internet. Um, I was working on uh, uh, communication networks and, and basically developed the original uh, voice of IP protocols and patents uh, back in 94, you know, a long, long, long time ago, and really kind of uh, replaced these monopolies that the phone companies had with the free service like we're using right now, and, uh, which uh, most people in the 90s didn't think was possible, right? Everybody thought uh, AT&T or uh, Bell Atlantic had like a God-given monopoly to run, um, uh, run these services. So we really uh, kind of uh, created a lot of uh, good and then did well and, you know, t- took the company public on NASDAQ and, and then jumped into my next startup and next startup and so on, like you said, uh, uh, eight in a row. Um, <laughs> so I should be either hospitalized for that or, <laughs> but the, another project, Transit Wireless, uh, uh, you know, like uh, uh, the wireless network, the subways in New York didn't have wireless service. And, uh, you know, it was like just, it looked completely ridiculous to me that 8 million people use it every day. You know, the minute they went underground, they were disconnected to wor- uh, from the world. So, uh, so I fought with the MTA for like seven years and then finally got a, f- a franchise to install that. And today uh, all of these 8 million people get to use it every day for free, right? We got the phone companies to pay for it. And, and the people get it for free. So again, doing, doing good and doing well. Um, and uh, Celsius was really an idea that, that kind of uh, emerged in 2017. I was trying to get into fintech for many years, but I couldn't find something that was really disruptive. And I think after seeing uh, what cryptocurrencies can do, I realized, okay, we can take this 
again, just like with AT&T, we can take this God-given monopoly that people think the banks have to make money for themselves and bring all that value back to us, the people who work hard and create uh, the value through these, you know, through our labor, uh, where they only really make money on our money because we don't know how to do it ourselves. So, so Celsius created this platform that allows people to deposit their hard-earned, uh, um, you know, assets and have those assets earn double-digit yield, 100 times more than what JP Morgan or Citibank pays you, right? It's, it just sounds ridiculously crazy that uh, we can pay 100 times more and still be profitable. Yeah, that calculation is going to become even more difficult when uh, you start paying to keep your money in the bank and things go negative, yes. right? <laughs> yeah, infinity and beyond, you know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, the, the Buzz Lightyear financial, financial model. So you, uh, you touched on a word earlier that I was going to ask you about. So you said, you know, you disrupted um, AT&T and these large companies and you were looking to get into crypto but needed something disruptive to find a way to do it. Where does that core urge to disrupt come from and where do you get i mean one in a million people would have the balls frankly to try to go against these corporate giants or come up with an idea that would fundamentally change the way that uh we approach these problems and, and these these industries so I, where does that come from because i don't think most people have that in them yeah my, my wife jokes that i live in the future all by myself <laughs> and, and, and sometimes the reality comes to me and sometimes it goes to a completely different direction, you know. Uh, but uh, uh, none, none of these things we're talking about or doing are uh, crazy. Like if you think about, uh, again, our relationship with banks, we the people uh, have ceded uh, our power uh, to the banks. We're basically saying it's okay for a bank to charge us to withdraw on money, right? Charge us $3 on an ATM. Or it's okay for a bank not to pay us anything for our hard-earned cash. It's okay for a bank to charge us overdraft fees and checking fees and all kinds of other fees, right? No activity fees, you name it. They invented every fee possible, right? So it's amazing. I just don't accept that, right? I, I just don't think that uh, hardworking people should be paying anything when a bank like JP Morgan still generates 30 billion a year in profit uh, and then get bailed out every 10 years when they make a mistake. So, so I just feel that, that um, this is not a fair fight. It's not a fair uh, equation because, um, you know, it's like the banks are using Caesar's rule, right? Divide and rule. They, they, because we did not collect all of our assets together and have concentrated power, uh, to act in our own best interest, uh, the banks are basically taking advantage of that. They have one-on-one -on -one relationship, and in a one-on-one -on -one relationship, they win every time. So all Celsius done is aggregate 200,000 retail users from all over the world. They gave us a billion and a half dollars, and now we get to set the rules. We tell the institutions, the exchanges, and everybody else how much we charge for these assets, and we increase what we charge every week. You've seen our rates go up. We actually, people told me, oh, you have, you have 100 million, you can charge these high rates. But when you're going to manage a billion, you're not going to be able to charge 10 or 11%. And actually, the opposite is true. The more assets we have, the more leverage we have over the institutions, just like the banks have over the government and over you as an individual and so on. So, so we are taking exactly the same leverage or the same disproportionate relationship and instead of taking advantage of it, right? We could have been sucking much more profits for ourselves 
we've committed to give 80% of that to, to the community. And, and again, we've, we've minted already 30 millionaires uh, just from people who joined us from the beginning. And, and I hope to break all the records of anyone who's minted uh, uh, more millionaires by creating all this wealth and having everybody participate in it versus having it given only to the VCs or given to the founders or, or anyone else. So, so that's really the crooks of the matter. It's not complicated. It's just no one has done it, you know? Yeah, you say it's not complicated, but I think the biggest question that people always come to me because I'm recommending your service, I'm using it, you know, and, and there's a lot of other similar services that are offering yield now, sort of crypto banks. How do you do it? I mean, how do you offer 10%, 12%, you know, these numbers? Yeah. Because banks certainly can't. And why can't they, I guess, is the better question. But uh, you can answer both. So normally in the normal uh, conditions, I would just go to Wall Street and make this money that we're making for the banks or for the financial institutions, right? It's much easier to do that. It's much easier to just go to Goldman Sachs, show them your resume, say, hey, I know how to generate these double digit yields, hire me and I will make you money on your money, right? It's, it is harder to convince the general public to trust you and to work with you and build up all of this infrastructure, it takes much longer and it's much more work, but I can tell you, I wake up every morning and there's 10 or 15 emails in my inbox of people thanking me for changing their lives. And, and that is something you're never going to get working for Goldman Sachs. No one's going to send you a thank you email because uh, <laughs> normally, again, you're making that money for the bank, not for the people. A congressman so, so, might send you a thank you email. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so, so really, um, the formula is very simple. The, the, and I've done it on one of the AMAs. I actually went to the JP Morgan website and showed uh, on their statement, on their quarterly statement, what is their return on capital, right? And it's about 17%, meaning the bank is making 17% for themselves on, their, on the money that they've accumulated. Uh, they just decide not to share most of that with you. So Celsius does exactly the same thing. It just, we, we, we're not earning more than the bank. We're not, we don't have some magic formula that we figured out something they didn't, or we're doing something that no one has ever done before. We don't, I, I say the opposite. There's no sec lending. The equivalent of sec or securities lending is the safest business on wall street. And that's all we do. Right? So, I, I joke, I said the, the bees do it, the bears do it, the, you know, the, we're doing exactly what the, what the banks are doing every day, you know, so, so there's no innovation there. The innovation is in, in um, and again, I stole even the 80-20 from Wall Street because as a rich guy, you know, uh, when I go to Wall Street, when I go to Goldman Sachs and I say, fine, I'll give you $10 million to manage for me. The split between me and them is that I, keep, I get to keep 80% of the value. The LP, the limited partner, gets to keep 80%, and the GP, the general partner or, or Goldman's fund, gets to keep 20%. So when you're rich, that is the arrangement. They don't charge you any fees. They don't charge you anything, right? The opposite. They, they take you to fancy lunches. They give you tickets to the games. They make sure to invite you to, to any, uh, you know, like any, any event that happens, right? They cater to your every need. Uh, but if, when you have $1,000 with them, that, that's when they steal from you because they know they have, you have zero leverage. So, so all Celsius has done is, uh, is combine those two pieces together. The, the, 
Um, the fact that the uh, 80-20 is the right way to do it and offer it to everybody on the planet. And the fact that uh, if we did the same thing, the banks or financial institutions do earning that 17%, we can give 80% of that back to the users. And that would be a hundred times more than what they pay you. JP Morgan on average pays you 0.1%. Yeah. But they charge you 24% on your credit card. So how does that make sense? 10 years ago, before the 2012 years ago, before the 2008 collapse, they actually earned much more. They paid you much more and they charged you less on the credit card. So their, their cost of capital went down from like 6% down to like zero. But your credit card charge went from 18% to 24%. It makes no sense whatsoever, right? They should be lowering their charge, the credit card charges to 15 or 14 or 13 because their cost of capital went down. So it's just daytime robbery for all of us. And, and no one has the power. No one has the will uh, to say bad things about banks. And I do that every day. And why can't the government do that for us? Or why won't the government do that for They're us? They're not here to act in your best interest. The be the, one of the largest lobbies in Wall Street, in, in the Washington, is Wall Street. Then, you know, who do you think is, is uh, writing all those laws and all of the rules and everything else? Not me and you. It's not our representatives. It's the lobbyist who represents the banks, the insurance companies, the drug companies. And, and again, this, the, you know, a, um, capitalism is a great system, but it does corrode itself, right? And, and, and we have not been able to reset uh, capitalism uh, to act in our best interest. And, and I, I, I'm a student of, I was born in communism. I grew up in socialism. I tested all the systems. And I'm, I'm thriving in capitalism, right? So it's not like I've, I've, I don't know the different systems. I, I'm telling you that, that we, we Amer Americans have crossed the lines uh, abusing capitalism. You know, this is not what I think our, um, you know, the people who wrote the Constitution were thinking about the United States of America, where 1%, 0.1% owns half of the assets and the disparity between the rich and the poor is, is as, as great as it can be, right? I mean, how much more do you need, you know? So that's, that's really the problem. Yeah, it should be it criminal. Everything. I mean, it should be criminal. And we have a revolving door. I mean, at this point, politics is almost a, an audition or job interview for a future job at a, a bank or pharmaceutical that's company right. or, or, or some sort of- Or in the lobbying firm. Consultancy, right? yeah. Exactly. So, so all these things are, look, again, it's, it's the greatest country in the world. I'm not uh, dissing America or saying, look at how horrible things are and so on. It's just that we took it too far. And, and uh, you are seeing sprouts of, of change, like you're seeing the business roundtable saying, okay, our customers and, and the community is, is a constituent that we have to worry about. But that's all talk. That's not action. So, so the action is actually uh, that we need to take is, 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 is changing behavior. And, and part of what we're trying to do at Celsius is, again, always put our customers first, always act in the best interest of the people whose future we are effectively holding, right? I mean, their financial future is in our hands. They're trusting us with their assets. So, so those are the things that, that uh, I don't think any, most people in crypto even, they cannot go on your, on your show and say those things. Right, I'm always acting in the best interest of my customers. So, 
So it's about greed and power. I mean, at the end of the day, they can, they could pay the same rates that you are at a normal bank and they just choose not to, and they choose to raise, because it's funny when you hear people look at, you know, crypto and look at these high yields and say, there must be something wrong here, right? There has to be some sort of scam. They can't do this. It must be high risk. But the reality is, is that you're just preconditioned by these banks and the old system to believe that it's impossible. It's just a matter of you sharing the earnings. Right. So, so I, I always joke that it's not that we're so good as the banks are so bad, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but to specifically answer your question, how do we earn this money? Uh, there is friction uh, of dollars going into uh, crypto. So for example, I'll give you a few examples, right? If you are a hedge fund and you, uh, JP Morgan is your prime broker uh, or, J- or Goldman Sachs is your prime broker and you go to them and you say, here's, I have 10 million in assets and uh, will you give me leverage? And they'll be sure in a second, they'll give you 5X leverage, right? Uh, uh, but if you tell them you're trading crypto and you say, will you give me leverage? Not, not just that they won't give you leverage, they will shut down your account, right? Instantly. So because of that, the cost of capital in crypto is actually higher than it is on Wall Street. So on Wall Street, you'll pay, I don't know, four, five, 6% for that leverage, where on, on, uh, in, in, in the crypto world, you'll pay 12 to 17%. So all we do is we accept stable coins. We, we, we don't take dollars. We're not a bank, right? We accept stable coins. We accept Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then we lend that to these institutions who otherwise have to pay very high fees to somebody else. They just happen to pay it to us. They don't care if they borrow from us or Genesis or Galaxy or, or BlockFi or somebody else, right? They don't care if, we have uh, a mission of helping the average Joe, right? They just basically look at the rate and they say, how much are you charging? How much the other guy charges me? And so, so, so the prevailing rate, and again, these rates are now published in many, many places. When we, when we created this business in 2017, we were the only guys doing it, right? And, and everybody looked at us and said, okay, you're a scam. This, this cannot be. But institutions were trading, were borrowing at these rates, hush, hush, in 2017 and in 16 and 15. What didn't exist was that an average Joe could just come deposit his assets into some account and it automatically yielded, right? What, what we call DeFi today was really created by Celsius, right? I mean, Celsius was the first place that you could deposit stuff and be paid either in kind, meaning in Bitcoin or Ethereum, or with a different token, as in, not just like comp, just like Uniswap, just like whatever. The first one that did that was sell tokens. So, so, and again, it's not about who did it first. My point is just that, that when that Pandora box was open uh, and everybody realized, oh, I, I can do it also. Celsius doesn't have exclusivity on this. I can copy them and do the same thing. That, all that is great, but we lend to institutions, exchanges. Yes, we also do DeFi, but that's maybe 10% of our business. Uh, where all of our copycats are lending to retail. Uh, and that's really the huge difference, right? So, so when, when you look at uh, uh, Compound, for example, right, the borrowers are 100% retail guys. So when there's a flash crash, they have to liquidate all those people because they're not going to give you more collateral. They're just being liquidated. So, so March 12 was a great kind of test day for everybody in crypto. Some people walked away limping. Some people shut down their doors. And Celsius walked away uh, smelling like a rose. We had zero liquidations that day, right? So, so I think the, the, 
the business people copied the idea, but they didn't copy the business model. They did not, because it's very hard. It's very hard to sign up 300 and something institutions, onboard them, do KYC, AML, do continuous checks on them every quarter, verify their licensing or their bank accounts or their credit standing. That takes tremendous amount of effort. No one wants to do that. It's much easier to just open a website and have uh, 20,000 retail guys show up. And if they get liquidated, great, they get liquidated. Right. So, so I think we've done a great job at again, protecting, we only, another great point. I just want to make the point cause it's, it's, it's critical. Right. So, so compound, Ave, uh, Uniswap, all great companies, but they're neutral. They sit in the middle. They don't care about the borrower, the lender. They don't care what happens to those guys. Right. We are not neutral. We only represent uh, the depositor. We only represent the, the person who gave us the asset. Actually, our job is to aggregate all those guys and extract as much value as possible from the institution. So, so the roles are very different, right? The, the function is very different. And uh, because of that, uh, I think we're, we're doing a much better job for our customers. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so basically anybody can open one, but not anybody can have the access or ability to actually onboard institutions. I mean, you can you can start a website, but it's hard to uh, call, uh, you know, someone who has a billion dollars under management and convince them that you're, you're the place to, to borrow from. So that... And they, we, they want orders of size, right? They're not going to ask you for... Uh if you have whatever, uh, 10 Bitcoin, they're not going to transact yeah. with you, right? They're, I think usually they transact 1,000 Bitcoin, 2,000 Bitcoin a pop, right? So, so I think it's also the aggregation service we provide, aggregating all these retail guys and having whatever, 40,000, 50,000 Bitcoins, which is what we have today, uh, allows us to fill every order for every institution, right? So they want to know. They don't want to call you and get the nine no's out of 10 orders, right? They want a right. 10 order... 10 field orders fill. out of 10 field orders. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and that's also why um, some of these platforms can't really have any compound can't really sign up institutions. Their rate changes every day. Uh, and also if you check the rates on compound versus the rates on Celsius, you'll see Celsius is always higher rate on every coin. So how is that possible? Because we blend all three sources of income, right? We, when, when the exchanges pay us more, we give the liquidity to the exchanges. When the institutions pay us more, we shift the liquidity to them. When DeFi pays more, we give some of it to DeFi. So, but the blended rate is always higher than whatever just DeFi or just exchange or just institutions can pay. So, so I think that the business model, the, the kind of, I know people call it CFI. I don't really agree that it's CFI. Yeah. But uh, but uh, uh, the blended rate, all, all I care about is, am I paying the most possible to the user? That's all I care about. Well, the notion of CFI is kind of ridiculous. And only now they say CFI because of this new wave of DeFi, right? And whatever we want to call those things. But uh, it's not central. It's still DeFi. I mean, as you said, you guys were the ones who basically founded it. And so to, to change the name is a bit, uh, bit misleading. So I, I don't like that either, but that does touch on this new DeFi craze and the insanity of what we're seeing. And I mean, it scares me a bit. And a as we're recording this, actually, we're seeing a bit of a bubble pop on a lot of these smaller platforms and crazy food coins and, and things like that are really starting to, to suffer. So, I mean, do you think that there's you know, that it puts the ecosystem in danger, that there's so many projects and so many 
going to zero so quickly and basically, you know, somewhat of a, of a, of a repeat of the 2017 ICO boom and bust on steroids in a lot of these DeFi coins and projects. So, yeah, look, I mean, the, the main problem is that they just fork and they don't innovate. Like if you're, if you're forking uh, Uniswap and you're adding uh, new functionality or you're doing something better uh, or you're solving the impermanent loss problem or some other problem, great. I mean, that, then uh, I take my hat off for you. But if all you're doing is uh, vampire sucking the liquidity from one exchange to another because you are airdropping this or that token on people, you're not going to have long-term longevity. And, and again, look, our mission was to bring 100 million new people into crypto, uh, create financial future for them. That is a long-term vision. That's not like, oh, I'm here for six months. I'm going to pop this thing and, and dump on my community and walk away and do something else, right? So, so also, the, again, all this comes back to why are you here? Are you here really? Again, I have a 30-year track record of doing good. Right. So you, you check every project I touch and you will see that that uh, I put doing good ahead of doing well. Right. Even when I didn't have anything. So it wasn't like, oh, now I got rich. So I'm trying to become a Rockefeller and I'm just going to pepper some coins on everybody and make everybody think I'm a good guy. Right. So. Right. So most of the crypto community, unfortunately, is based on fees one way or another. Right. They, they all make their money charging this fee or that fee. Uh, and so on. And, and we've built, we, Celsius has never charged a single customer a fee, right? Go on Twitter, go on Telegram, ask uh, the hundreds of thousands of followers we have if any of them has ever paid a fee to Celsius. So, so we, we, we came in from day one and said there is a business model in which we all win. Uh, the depositor wins, Celsius wins, and the community wins. And the only losers are the banks or the financial institutions who are just not acting in our best interest. They should be losing every day. So, so that is not what's happening with a lot of DeFi projects, right? They're not really here uh, trying to help the average Joe. Like you said, they eventually dump on the average Joe and, and he, they're, held, uh, they're, they're being left holding the bag because they're unsophisticated or they thought that this thing is going to the moon and they joined in the last minute and here we are. Uh, dumping on them. So um, if you look at, for example, look at the price uh, of sell token, right? I mean, it's a very, very slow moving thing, right? Recently, it's been going up like crazy, but for a very long time, uh, it basically reflected the slow accumulation of customers that we had. And, and, and we're proud of that. We, we, you know, we think that all these uh, uh, projects, which are just basically like again, SushiSwap was just a perfect example of just a bad project doing uh, nasty stuff, you know, and that's why it failed. I'm not surprised that it failed. Are you sick of paying ridiculous fees to trade crypto? It's time you try Voyager. It's hands down my favorite place to buy and trade crypto, and it's 100% commission free. Voyager gives you easy access to more than 30 top crypto assets, and you can instantly transfer cash from your bank account so you never miss a trading opportunity. Even better, you can now automatically earn interest on your crypto holdings. Currently, they're offering 5% interest on Bitcoin and 6% on USDC. Yes, you heard that correctly, 6%. And there are no limits or lockups, which means your funds always stay liquid. 
Find out why so many people are making the switch to Voyager. Visit investvoyager.com or search for Voyager on the iTunes or Google Play Store and get $25 in free Bitcoin when you use the promo code SCOTT25. That's investvoyager.com, promo code SCOTT25 for $25 in free Bitcoin and start trading today. Hey guys, I want to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Electronium, and their amazing new platform, anytask.com, a place where freelancers can finally be paid for their work without needing a bank. Freelancers match directly with potential clients and receive ETN as payment. Even better, ETN can be spent in over 2,000 physical and online locations worldwide. A lot of companies talk the talk of mainstream adoption, but Electronium is truly walking the walk. They're banking the unbanked worldwide and offering opportunity to those who lack access to the resources that many of us take for granted. In the next few months, they're also adding more in-app purchases, including local food and supplies, paid TV, gaming, gift cards, and much more. If you'd like to learn more, head on over to electronium.com. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-O-N-E-U-M.com. And it was named Sushi, which uh, to me was a leading indicator that perhaps it wasn't exactly. going to be here for, for a very long time. I mean, I can't wrap my head around uh, making investing my hard-earned yeah. money in something that's named after food. But uh, here we are. Food that lasts two days also. That's right. right. Would you buy sushi that is... <laughs> Just like the project. It's actually the perfect name when you think about it in retrospect. Yes. So you, uh, I think we all understand, going back to your point about uh, who you're actually lending to, I think everyone understands why an exchange would need liquidity or, or need Bitcoin. Who are the other institutional customers and what do they actually need to borrow uh, crypto for? Yeah, so if you go on Twitter again, you you would see everybody talk about shorting and how uh, this lending business that Celsius created is really helping bring down the price of Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatever. But really, that's just not true. I mean, the the, the institutions are sophisticated guys. Uh, they are the top guys on Wall Street, right? I mean, if 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 when when you leave Goldman Sachs, you go to work for one of these institutions and manage money for them on this or that vertical. So. So what they do uh, is actually uh, publicly disclosed because most of these funds have to file with it. If, you, if you're over $100 million, you're filing with the SEC and everybody knows your charter and what your asset allocation is and everything else. And, and they tell you very clearly if anyone bothers to read uh, how much they're spending or how much they're basically deploying towards market making, how much they're deploying towards arbitrage and how much they're deploying towards shorting. And shorting is considered the most aggressive and, um, uh, you know, a risky uh, position, meaning it has the lowest allocation of capital. Most hedge funds, banks now basically can do, I think, more than 2 or 3% right. in, in actually taking positions. And most hedge funds don't have directional betting, really. So mostly, most institutions we work with, if they tell us uh, I'm shorting, we're like, sorry, I cannot take that risk. So it's too risky for Celsius. It's too risky for our customers. But when they tell us, look, I'm, I'm just basically uh, buying on Binance and selling on uh, Bitfinex, right? Because there's a price gap between the two, right? And I need, I'm the exchange, I, I, the hedge fund, need to borrow the assets because if while I'm doing this trading, Bitcoin drops 10%, I don't want to take the financial risk of losing 10%. So you, your community Celsius is long only. Your guys are happy to hold this coin for a very long time. Lend me the coin. I will do the hedging. I'll extract my one or two percent margin, and I'll pay you interest, right? So, so they make one, two, three percent a month, and they pay us a seven, eight, nine percent. I'm talking about Bitcoin per year, 
right? So obviously it's a very profitable business for them. It's a very profitable business for us. But, but arbitrage, market making, those are the things that uh, are the main reasons uh, they're borrowing from us. They're all dollar denominated. They want to offset the crypto risk. And uh, it, it's good for them. It's good for us. And look, again, there's a, there's a hundred year history on Wall Street of SEC lending or securities lending. Show, show me one example. Show me one instance in a hundred years where a bank or a financial institution went bust because they did security lending. That is the safest business on Wall Street. It just happens that that safest business in crypto is paying double digit rates. Right. So, so, so just, just to explain to, to your viewers, because most of them don't understand when, when, when each one of your viewers who have a Robin hood account thinks they got a super cool deal because they bought Tesla stock and they got to not to pay $4 and 95 cents for the trade. Robin hood takes that Tesla stock that you bought. You think it's just sitting in a Robin hood account, but it's not, they lend it to fidelity. They lend it to interactive broker. They lend it to any, order flow management company. And, and those guys charge 15, 20% to lend Tesla stock right now. If you want to short Tesla, it would cost you 20% per year, even more than Celsius earns on Bitcoin or Ethereum. How much of that is being shared with you, the holder of the Robinhood account? Zero, zilch, zero. So all Celsius does is what Robinhood does. It gives you the trade for free. Plus it gives you 80% of that income on that Tesla stock. And that's really the big uh, difference between us and all the other guys who, who do this every day. It's so interesting. And I think that um, it was nice to hear that articulated because I think that it's this sort of amorphous idea for most people in the space to understand not only what kind of lending you're doing or how you make your margins, but just the, the business in general of lending and why, because that also answers the question about institutional uh, adoption, though, or, institu or, or whether institutions are here in this space, because that's so hotly debated in the Twitter community and the crypto community in general. Are institutions interested? Is there money here at all? And I think clearly it is, right? Um, and I think that we've seen, you started in 2017, which was maybe retail-driven bubble. But now I think this time we're seeing that there is real institutional interest in this space. Yeah, so, so a lot of uh, small and medium-sized institutions were already in the game. The big guys did not participate until the OCC just two months ago announced that banks and financial firms are allowed to custody and trade in, in, in crypto assets. And they basically consider them uh, assets that they can count on their balance sheet. Uh, they were not allowed to do any of that, or most of them would not touch any of these assets. So even though we all thought that everybody could participate and Mike Novogratz and all these guys coming in from Wall Street and kind of taking interest. Uh, that was just not true in reality. In reality, again, if you went to this or that bank and you said, hey, uh, do you want to lend me or do you want to participate or do you want to borrow? The answer was, uh, you're, you're trading in monopoly money. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not going to touch any of these assets. I think today, uh, Again, the doors were opened about two months ago, but I think, again, it's going to take a while for many of these institutions to actually um, do anything about it and start using it um, uh, or, or providing services around these assets. Also, the market's not really big enough yet. 
Right. I mean, uh, for that, for, for these really larger institutions to gain exposure, we need to have a much higher market cap. I mean, the price of Bitcoin needs to be much higher. I think a lot of people don't realize that actually we need higher prices and more involvement for people to even be able to get their money in and out of this market reliably if you're talking about those huge quantities, right? Yeah, I mean, we, we're excited that, uh, you know, crypto is, I don't know, 320 billion or whatever the market cap is today. Uh, so companies like uh, uh, State Street or, or uh, uh, BlackRock manage trillions of dollars, right? Each yeah. one of them manages trillions of dollars. So for them, when you come to them and say, oh, look, 300 billion, they look at it and say, this is nothing. This is like, a, I'm not going to even waste time to participate. And, uh, uh, you know, BlackRock is a great example because they make, if you look at their financial statements, they, they publicly tell you that 61% of their quarterly income comes from SEC lending. It, it's the largest single source of earnings. They sell you that ETF, right? They sell you this or that, the QQQ or this ETF or that ETF. And then they take all the shares that are inside that ETF and they lend them out and make income from that and don't give you any of that back, right? So they're one of the most profitable companies out there on Wall Street, and, but they're not a participant in crypto, right? So, so when you see these guys come in, uh, and again, Fidelity is making big efforts in the space. Uh, again, Mike Novogratz is very helpful in kind of, again, uh, educating people and bringing them on and so on, but, but it's still early days uh, from an institutional standpoint. I don't want anyone seeing this saying, oh, you know, Alex said the institutions are all here. We, we have, I think, the most institutions, something like 360 or so institutions on board it, more than anyone else that I know. And, and that's not enough, right? Um, there's about 850 hedge funds uh, who've registered that they're, gonna, they're touching crypto, basically. So we know all of them. We've elected to work with maybe a third of them. Uh, uh, and many of them are just too small or they have risky strategies. Uh, but very, the biggest names of Wall Street, you're not going to find Goldman Sachs there. You're not going to find JP Morgan. You're not going to find the biggest guys, partially because what you said, it's the asset class is not big enough, and partially because they just don't know how to manage these assets. Right? They don't know. They can't open a MetaMask and uh, dump some coins really? on Uniswap and, 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 and farm unis and then uh, stake them and then whatever, right? I mean... None of that, that doesn't follow their uh, custody process, doesn't follow the risk management process. Who holds the keys? You know, one person sitting at home, you know, like, so, so there's a lot of issues that need to be resolved and we're just not. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, and so how do you, at Celsius, how do you continue to grow? What I, I read, obviously, you have some new partnerships that are really exciting, Bitfinex uh, line. Is it about just continuing to grow the brand, uh, reach out to new partners, and basically just you know, get the tentacles everywhere until you, you have you know, the entire market knows about you and is using you? How do you continue to push this business forward? So... You know, when I, when I did Voice of IP back in 94, 95, it, the, the selling that to the average person was really easy. You, anyone you met and you said, look, uh, you're making a local call, it's 50 cents. How about five cents to make the same call on Voice of IP? You make an international call, it's three minutes. How about 30 cents to make the, the same international call? So 
So, and if they tried the, my service and it didn't work well, they could always go back and use AT&T or use some other app and, and, and so on. So, so the adoption was very quick. Like within a few years, we had five, six, 700 million users. And now obviously billions of people use voice of RP every day for free. So the, the, the difference with the money with fiat is that people are much more conservative. It takes them much longer to trust you. And when the service is so complicated, like here, right, they have to learn about keys, they have to learn about wallets, they have to learn about addresses and all that stuff. And most people just give up right there. And they do have to do KYC ML, right? All of that is yeah, just like, course. okay, too much for me. So, so we have a lot of friction. That's why after almost 12 years, uh, we only have, whatever, 40, 45 million active wallets, right? I know there's 100 million wallets out there. I have 10 wallets, so that doesn't mean anything. How many active wallets that actually transact? So, so our adoption has been much slower than expected. That's part of why I created Celsius. I said, look, if we give people yield versus just allowing them to buy and sell or trade or whatever, if we pay them yield they can't earn anywhere else, the adoption is going to accelerate. And, and we've done, I think, a reasonable job, at, you know, just like Coinbase, just like Binance, anyone else, in kind of bringing the average person in. Again, it's unfortunately it's 85% men and only 15% women. Complete failure bringing women into, into crypto. But what we decided to do about a year and a half ago is to go to the people who already have this mass adoption, like Line Japan, uh, which is part of SoftBank. They have 600 million users worldwide, right? They have uh, different messengers. They have different services like uh, Bit. Uh, Bitfront in the United States, for example, is an exchange to operate and, and basically partner with them to basically broaden the appeal, broaden the reach uh, on behalf of all these people. So I think um, uh, this approach, I think, and, and, and you can see it also with PayPal, you can see it with uh, Robinhood, with uh, you know, a bunch of different services kind of launching crypto services, Venmo and so on. Uh, and I think that's what's going to bring that mass adoption. I think if we just rely on, uh, hey, come trade in Bitcoin, uh, we're going to be a very small club uh, looking at each other saying, remember the days we were hoping Bitcoin is going to go to 100,000? It's never going to get there, right? You need mass adoption and broader use case for the ma major coins, which is also going to drive demand. And you have limited supply, more demand, prices go up. That's basically the, the, the motto that's been driving uh, our vision. And it includes sell token. I mean, sell token has, done, has increased over 2,000% in the last 12 months, mostly because of the rapid adoption of our service and having that limited supply. Uh, people keep asking me, on, uh, so when are you going to mint more sell? I'm like, there is no more sell. That's it. You know, but aren't you mining it? Well, no, there's no mining. There's nothing. There's, we, we had one release and that's it. There's not going to be any more sell created ever again. Uh, but the, the demand or the use uh, has increased 10, 50, 100 times from where we were uh, just a year ago. And what does the deal with Bitfinex look like? What, what's the, what's yeah. that partnership? So yeah, so 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 Line is more focused on like new adoption for new users all over the world because they have this reach. Uh, Bitfinex, the partnership with them, and that includes also Bitwala in Germany and Mode in the UK, and we have 
uh, two dozen partners worldwide that, that kind of specialize, like uh, Monarch, for example, has a wallet that gives you unique services that Celsius doesn't do. You know, uh, Mode in the UK has a wallet that operates in pounds and, and has a bank account and a crypto account and earns interest, and we power that. So, so uh, Bitfinex was very important because uh, they have several million users and their willingness to offer all their users interest income was just something amazing, amazing. right? That, that's, that's just, it's not like, you know, Binance did it as a, month, a weekly uh, auction where the first hundred people get to earn a little bit of interest up to capped up to a certain amount. This is uncapped, no fees, unlimited, available to everybody. And that's the way to do it. So we're really excited about the partnership with Bitfinex. I think it's launching on October 15th. Uh, and if you're a user of Bitfinex, go ahead and earn your interest. It's, uh, you don't have to do anything. It's just uh, whatever you have on deposit, you don't have and to accept a, the and Cs. What an incredible addition for an exchange, right? Because I mean, it, it used to be, you have to be somewhere to earn yield and somewhere to trade and invest and to put those two together at no cost to the, to the customers. I mean, it's really incredible to be able to yes. trade and be earning interest on what you're trading actively while you're doing it for a trader is it's like a unicorn. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. But that's how it should be, right? That's, that's how your bank account should operate. That's how your a brokerage account should operate. And it should earn real yield, uh, meaning high single digits, uh, because they're earning that money on your assets, right? They're lending you assets. They don't, they don't just sit there. They're putting it to use. Yep. So it's just a question of greed and, and allocations. Are you, are you here to act in the best interest of the user? Are you here to grow the community? Or are you just here to extract as much as possible out of that user base that you accumulated uh, and, and, and that's a normal modus operandi for most companies, including in crypto, right? It's just like, a, how do we put hidden fees or fees upon fees that people are not going to notice? And I always tell people, like, look at your account, look at your cost, look at the end of the year, look how much interest they charge you, right? Look, look how much they charge in transaction costs. And, and uh, people get shocked. They're like, oh my God, I didn't know it cost so much. Even DeFi. DeFi costs a lot of money, you know, like you, you think you made $5,000, but really $3,000 went to gas fees and, and, you know, liquidation fees and, and whatever else, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess all of this, which we didn't touch on, begs the question, why Bitcoin and crypto in the first place? You said, ah, I started looking at the space. I thought, hey, we could do something here, but uh, I have a feeling that it's much bigger than that. Yeah, so for me, again, I, I've seen this movie before with Voice of RIP, right? Voice of RIP ran on the TCPIP network or UDP network, and it completely bypassed the infrastructure and the toll collectors that existed back then, which were the monopolistic phone companies. And each country had this giant phone company that basically said, all transactions have to go through me. I decide how much to charge for it, and, and that's how business is going to be forever, right? And it's kind of exactly what banks do, right? So when you, when you create a different infrastructure that bypasses the toll collectors, which is the blockchain and specifically, more specifically, Bitcoin and Ethereum, that allows you to transact much faster. The velocity of money on, on the blockchain is 10 times greater than it is on Main Street, right? And, and, and all of that basically creates a lot of opportunities. It's opportunities for yield. It's opportunities for income. It's opportunities for, for growth. And all these things are, are really uh, uh, what 
pushes, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars away from Wall Street and into the crypto industry. So for me, it was obvious that these uh, infrastructure are going to be basically a revolution. It's not going to be just a little bit. It's not like a, you know, a bunch of guy geeks just uh, uh, playing with some to uh, coins, right? This is the the foundation of what the financial system is going to look like 10 or 15 years from now. So what happens when Facebook comes in with Libra and central banks make their own digital currencies and they basically do away with paper money and, and everything goes digital. So it makes it more difficult, I guess, for a digital currency to be a, yeah, you know, to be raging back against the machine when everything becomes becomes digital, right? So, what what is that going to mean when we see that? Because I, I view all of that as somewhat inevitable. Whether Libra makes it through or not, I don't know. But central bank digital currencies are certainly coming. Yeah, it's a, I, I view this as a three man uh, horse race. So basically, you have uh, the open public blockchain, which is what we use every day, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and so on, DeFi competing against the corporate version. So the corporate version is JP Morgan has their own uh, coin. Uh, Libra has their own coin, which is Facebook. And they have very different reasons why they're creating these things, right? They're, they're creating these things to enhance their own monopoly. They're not creating those things to help you or me, right? And the third version is the, is the government version. So, so basically the Chinese government is saying, how do I get off the US dollar? Well, let me create a blockchain-based currency Yes, it runs on the blockchain. Yes, it's immutable, but it's definitely not a limited supply, right? I mean, you, you and me know that neither the U.S. government or the Chinese government is going to say, we're never printing more than X uh, yuan or X dollars, right? So, so really, it has nothing to do with Bitcoin or Ethereum, right? It's, it looks like it. It looks and smells and walks like it, but it's something completely different. So... So, the, so I think the, the decision is each person, you, me, all the people who are watching the show, each one of them has to vote with the wallet. Are they going to back what's in their best interest or are they going to back someone they know like Libra or are they going to back the government because it's the government? And where we park our assets is going to decide this battle. Back in, back in the 90s, we were facing the same uh, fork in the road. It was just the internet competing against intranets offered by corporate companies, competing against co government versions of the internet. The Chinese had a government version that said, no public internet, here we created this and that, use that, right, and so on. So the public internet won against the other ones because we, the people, voted to spend all of our time and use the services on the public internet. Right. And, and we are just being tested again. Are we going to vote for something that is in our best interest, the public domain, public blockchain? Or are we going to be fooled to think that corporate solutions or government solutions are better for us and, and basically enhance their monopolies uh, to act against our best interests? Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it how it plays out. Plays out certainly. I think um, I think that uh, privacy is another obvious ma major concern there uh, worth discussing because at least you 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 maintain some semblance of it uh, with the cryptocurrencies as we know today. But I don't think if you have a uh, government wallet that uh, your money is going in and out of, they're going to have a hard time knowing uh, 
where your money's going or, or, or how you're transacting, which cash is still pretty good for, right? And, and look, uh, uh, we've seen several instances of, uh, uh, of centralization uh, reaching their hand into decentralization. Like, for example, I know everybody thinks DeFi is fully decentralized, but when you see USDC or USDT blocking, for good reason, right? But blocking certain coins and saying these coins don't exist or these tokens are not really there. They got stolen and we blocked them. That is a form of centralization, right? So, so you can't tell me that DeFi is fully decentralized. That's a joke, you know? It's trading in centralized assets like USDC. I don't think anyone would argue with me that USDC is not a centralized asset and it's doing it in a way that anyone can put the stop button, press the stop button and prevent this or that token from moving freely on the blockchain. So, so we, I think the, whatever we do, we're going to have this uh, basically, uh, the, you know, we have to really create, if we want to create a fully transparent service like the internet, no one can stop the internet, right? Uh, we have to really design things that are designed for the public blockchain. And today we're not. Today uh, almost, you know, I would say half of all the services on the blockchain uh, could be easily disrupted by this or that centralized uh, player. So, so we're just in the early days. We are just getting started. There's a lot of stuff to build. And we have one leg in centralization and one leg in decentralization. All the DeFi guys jumping around thinking, oh, look, we're fully decentralized. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm a techie. Okay. I'm telling you that is just not true. And, and I'm saying we have to make it better. I'm saying we have to decentralize it further. I'm not saying we should stay 50, right. 50 or 30, 70 or whatever, but uh, pretending like we are, um, you know, there is just uh, fooling ourselves. So you said that obviously if we see a digital dollar, digital yuan, that uh, they will not be deflationary. They will continue to print. It will be inflationary. What do you make of the, commitment of the Fed and Powell to continue printing endlessly and this sort of exponential uh, curve. I mean, we've seen them printing for years, but th this real exponential growth in, in printing. Look, we, we, the idea, if you look at uh, uh, kind of like the fundamental ideas behind capitalism, you will see that basically they believe in economic cycles. They believe in a recession versus a good time. And you're supposed to save during the good times. Uh, so you have money to uh, get through the bad times. Uh, over the last uh, 20 years, we effectively, the monetary activity uh, of the Fed and, and fiscal activity has basically told us that none of that matters anymore, right? The, the Fed or the government is going to jump in uh, to save us every time, uh, which means that there's no moral hazard and, and, financial players can take tremendous amount of risk, take a hundred to one leverage. And if they blow up, uh, the government is going to have a safety net and catch them and nothing happens. Me and you can't do that. We can get a hundred to one leverage and have no consequences. Right. But, but the big banks, the big institutions uh, are being saved today. Uh, the fed is buying all of their debt, effectively guaranteeing that their debt trades at the fair value. Uh, uh, so, and they can issue record debt. Now, I understand, again, Corona is a special case and so on, but, but the point is we should have had savings. We should have had reserves uh, because we had amazing 10 years of growth and, 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 and innovation and, and so on, but we've done the opposite. We've run deficits 
companies spend $7 trillion over the last 10 years buying their own stocks, taking their profits, and using their profits to inflate their value of their own stocks so they can get record bonuses, right? So, so that, again, no moral hazard, right? No, one, no one's going to go to jail. You know, like uh, I remember when I came to this country in, in 1989, there was the SNL crisis, 3,000 investment bankers and uh, banks uh, uh, officer went to jail because they basically defrauded uh, all of us. And then just uh, 10 years later, when we had the fraud related to the 2000.com stuff, no one went to jail. 2008, no one went to jail, right? So, so again, these are this is corrosion of our standards, corrosion of, of what we all stand for. And unfortunately, again, the 99% is standing there looking at the 1% and saying, how can this be fair? How can they flip the coin every time and it lands on heads? And when we flip the coin, we have a 50% chance of losing all of our assets. So, so I don't believe in fixing that by going to Washington and trying to run for president or becoming a congressman or whatever. I don't believe in that, unfortunately. Okay? What I believe in is that if we created a system that acts in our best interest and we, con we convinced enough people that we're doing all the right things for them, they will all join. And if they all join with all their assets, there's going to be nothing left for all these other guys who are doing all this shenanigans. So winning for me is about changing the infrastructure, changing the system, not about trying to affect politically or economically this or that institution. I, I don't believe that that will ever happen. I think the people that do believe that will happen go there and end up a part of the system rather than uh, trying to fix it just by the nature of, of the way that the machine works. Right. Or they convince us that they're going there to, to make change. And when they arrive there, they just help their friends instead of helping you. Right. So, so, but that's how politics have been for the last 3000 years. I don't think it's changed at all. Yeah. And, and it won't. Uh, us, us expecting, uh, this or that person to really act in our best interest uh, is just uh, a folly. So I, I say that in almost every AMA, you know, don't watch what they say, watch what they do. If somebody's not taking action on your behalf and is not showing you every week or every day uh, that they're doing what's in your best interest, then why are you trusting them? You know, uh, you fooled me uh, first time, shame on me, but you, you, you know, Shame on you, but you fooled me a second time. Shame on me, right? Why, why am I continuing to do the same thing? So, so what we created in Celsius, we set the bar really, really high. Now, anyone who copies us has to set the bar even higher. DeFi in its new incarnation, right? DeFi version 2.0, which is trying to copy Celsius with yield and everything else, has to give you more than 80%. That is the beauty of the system. They cannot give you 50% and stay competitive. So by setting the bar really high, we, we've set the bar for the entire industry and, and we force them to do something for you that they're not, we're not willing to do for the first 11 years, right? They weren't willing to do that in 2015 and 16 and during the bubble and everything else, right? So I'm very proud of that because effectively, uh, no one can go below that 80%, right? They'll be out of business tomorrow. And, and if they can deliver more, great. Uh, that means that they're going to accelerate this adoption and bringing more and more people into crypto. I love it. So I know that we're up against it here with, uh, with time. I could probably uh, ask a better 
two or three hours worth of questions, to be honest. But um, I, I guess parting thoughts, um, you know, what we can look for. I think you just touched on most of it for Celsius uh, moving forward and for you. So the, we, the opportunity, you know, we, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but we, we can only get there uh, if we have enough assets, we have enough users, and, and we, all of us as a community, convince other people that this is really uh, uh, done on, on, in their best interest. And I know it's difficult for people to swallow because they were disappointed so many times. They saw all these false promises. They, their politicians uh, disappointed them. Their family disappointed them. Their employer disappointed them. So the older you get, the more you go and you say, ah, eh, this is just another uh, fake story or scam or something. It just can't be true. I've seen this too many times. Uh, but again, we, we try to be as transparent as possible. Uh, are we adding this proof of community, which is going to be the community cryptographically voting to confirm the assets, the yield, the earnings, the distribution, right? It's going to be impossible for us. And we open source the, the project, meaning anyone can audit the project itself or copy it and use it in DeFi and everything else. So, so it's going to be very hard for anyone to claim all the things that you hear them claiming today uh, because we have nothing to hide. We, we, we want to show that. We publish almost every week how much we earned and, and where did it come from and, and how much are we distributing to the community. So all these things put together are, are really, I think, set, should set the standard or the bar for the entire DeFi community and, and really help us convince the, the skeptics, the naysayers, because, the, again, the, million, the few million people that join crypto today are, are the people who uh, are true believers, right? We haven't gotten that mass adoption yet. We haven't crossed the chasm. And, and, and I think the yield, and I've been saying that consistently for three years, right? Uh, yield is the best way to bring all these people across because the banks, the financial institution, the central banks are not going to pay you anything for your money. They're gonna deflate your money, if anything, for the next 30 years. So that is, the, it's ours to lose. The opportunity is right here in front of us. It's ours to lose. And it's a question is, are we going to vote? We, the people, are going to vote with our wallets to act in our own best interest? Or are we going to continue to allowing the institutions and the government to basically steal from us every, every day? Well, I know where I stand <laughs> and I know, and I know where everybody who watches this is going to stand. So I think that, uh, doing very good and that, uh, hopefully people will get the message and the, and the more shows you can go on and the more we can talk about it, the, uh, the bigger it will become. So thank you, uh, so much. Oh, and last, lastly, where can everybody follow you and where can everybody uh, sign up just to make sure that they, they don't miss that? Sure. And I wanted, look, I wanted to point out also, Scott, the, all the work you've been doing, uh, you know, I think you do an excellent job explaining things to Thank people and, and, and kind of uh, clarifying things as well as uh, creating a real community, which, which is, uh, you know, it takes a lot of effort. People think, oh, it's easy. I just go on Twitter a few hours a day. No, <laughs> you know, and, and, and uh, it's hard work. And, and uh, again, there's a lot of naysayers. You have to confront them. You have to educate them. You have to uh, have an open conversation. So I appreciate uh, really you being part of the community and, and helping us all move forward as to celsius we're we're uh, the website is celsius.network uh or go to your app store or uh, play store and just uh, download the app that's the best way to get started uh and just open your wallet and test it out put ten dollars there's no limits 
uh, put ten dollars, wait for Monday. We took the worst day of the week. Every Monday, Monday made yeah. it the best day of the best. week. <laughs> yeah. So just the, the first, the second time you get that interest, you're gonna be like, wow, this really works. And then it it compounds, and you realize, you know what? I can actually retire if I just put enough money to work here. So. So uh, use the app, use the website. We have a lot of resources on Telegram, on Twitter, uh, uh, Celsius Network, and just uh, uh, become part of the community. Listen to what other people are saying. Again, we have hundreds of thousands of users. It's not like we have uh, 50 users who yeah. get together once a week. You know? <laughs> I love that it's every Monday, though, instead of monthly or, or quarterly or something, because you really, it's addictive. You When you see it yes. and you see your interest gaining interest, I mean, there's, a reason that Einstein said that uh, compounding interest was the eighth wonder of the world, right? I mean, this yep. is how people have acquired and accumulated wealth since the beginning of time, not that, by trading. That's how Warren Buffett, yeah, that's how Warren Buffett really, his secret, he doesn't tell you that, but his secret is Yield. he invests only in companies that pay dividends, and then that dividend compounds over 30, 50, 70 years, and he has hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, in pro he doesn't pay a dividend. He just invests in companies that pay dividends. So we pay uh, interest every Monday. We pay rewards every Monday on 35 different assets, right? You choose what risk level you want. You want gold, you want crypto, you want stable coins. We don't pick the assets. We just pay yield on all of them. Love it. Love it. And I can't wait to see uh, everyone using it and taking their money away from JP Morgan. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to beat the banks one day. So thank you so much for uh, taking the time. I really do appreciate yeah. it. And unbank yourself, you know, yeah, and very much appreciate the kind words. Thank you. Uh, it means a lot. Thanks. Scott. We will, uh, we'll do this again soon. Cause like I said, I've got about uh, two or three more hours worth of uh, questions. <laughs> Anytime. Happy to do thank it. Thank you. Let's go.